With God's help, we will expound a passage from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 23, verses 39 to 43. Luke chapter 23, verses 39 to 43. The context of this passage, as you may well be aware, is... Our Savior has finally been lifted up from the earth, yet not upon a throne, but upon a cursed Roman cross. We are now in the final hours of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, this side of the grave. And praise be to his name that there is much more to this story, for though he has died, yet he lives. He lives forevermore. Hear now, once again, God's word, Luke 23, 39 to 43. And one of the malefactors, or criminals, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, or truly, I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. As we live in a a modern democracy, where we have the, the privilege to elect our officials, our president and governor and legislators, uh, the, the things of, of, of a king, they're, they're kind of remote to us. They're, they're the kinds of things that we read in books, stories of old King Arthur, Lancelot. There's something of a kind of a romance, isn't there? Uh, to, to the imagery, we'll perhaps see it on, in a film, on, on television, and, and it's interesting, and it's intriguing, but it's rather distant to us. But, but it's not so distant that we can't appreciate uh, the imagery of royalty that is very clear through the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the King of the Jews. Now, a king, as you know, has a uh, retinue, that is to say, servants, attendants, those who are around him to wait upon him, to, to serve him. And so our Lord Jesus Christ, the great King of Kings, went to the cross with attendants, with a retinue, with, with those Uh, who were on his right hand and on his left. Only, it was not. uh, It was not uh, intentional on the part of of anyone else. And and the very idea of the king being 
uh, surrounded by his attendants, it, it, it strikes us immediately there's, there's something strange and odd because who are his attendants as he is lifted up? They are common criminals. And in fact, there's little doubt that it was not just those two thieves, those bandits who had been arrested, tried, and nailed to crosses right next to the Lord Jesus Christ, indeed fulfilling the prophecy, he was numbered with the transgressors. No, in fact, when the Romans executed these criminals, they would herd them together and raise up cross after cross after cross. And you could walk down the road in Jerusalem and look up and see these miserable wretches dying a slow, excruciating death. Oh, Christ the King had company. And it is these two, in particular, who were crucified with Him, that the Lord uh, calls our attention to because uh, striking things happen concerning the both of them and one in particular. In this passage, we have a dying king and a dying convict. A dying king and a dying convict. Follow me, dear friends, with three points as we seek to to understand what this passage is saying, what God is saying to us. First, an attack. Second, the defense Third, the reward. First, we have an attack. One of the malefactors or or criminals. These are the worst of the worst, friends. These are the, the riffraff, the rascals, the troublemakers. And not just petty crimes. We're talking about uh those who, who, who lie in wait for some unsuspecting souls to walk past and then they're jumped and they're beaten, perhaps within an inch of their life, if not murdered there on the spot and whatever possessions they had are lifted from their body and they, they run as fast as they can. These are the, dear friends, these are the cockroaches, the rats of society. In the ancient times, the mangy dogs, which were not common pets, but rather were the kind of land vultures looking for dead animals and feasting on them. And that's how the Romans viewed them. We can't kill enough of them. You encounter something of this in in, in other cultures, perhaps you, maybe you've heard about some rather um, heavy-handed policies from a, a president in the Philippines. The drug problem was so bad that he basically gave the police force license to kill on the spot. Anyone who had any connection with drugs, it was that bad. Is it fitting that the Lord of glory should be given this kind of company 
on his way out of this world. And yet that's all that the world will give the Lord of glory. That's all that they think he deserves. Oh, you want some company? Misery loves company. We'll give you company. We'll give you these misfits. We'll give you these renegades. We don't want them. You can have him. And him. And him. But some friends they are because they go on the attack. One of the malefactors or the criminals which were, which were hanged with him, they railed on him. That is, they, 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 they lash at him with their tongues. If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. This is mockery. Now, what were they talking about? Well, clearly these men knew enough about the promised Messiah. And that's what Christ means. Christ is a Greek, originally a Greek word that translates Meshiach, anointed one, the Messiah. And so whether or not they were very devout Jews, probably not as they were such misfits and rogues, they knew enough about the promise of the Scriptures. It was in the very atmosphere. And the hopes of the Jewish people were pinned on the coming of one who would rise from the line of godly King David, the man who whose heart beat after his God. Friends, does your heart beat after God? The Lord promised, I will build you a house, David, and you shall not lack a descendant to sit upon your throne. Indeed, there shall be one who will be so exalted, and he will bring A perfect salvation to his people. This is the chosen one. This is the Christ. Well, if you're that Christ, here you are, right next to us, with Roman nails tearing your flesh, naked for the world to see, even your own mother, passing by, looking up and seeing you in your despicable condition. Well, if you're the Christ, why don't you save yourself? And then do us a favor. You see, they don't believe. They don't believe. Now, observe that unbelief can take different shapes. Sometimes the unbelief can be very sophisticated. You have very smart people with letters after their names, and they, they go to the university, they write these papers and these books, and they're very, very smart. But you know, you don't have to be really smart to be a skeptic. These guys were from the other side of the tracks. But they knew enough to doubt, and not just doubt, but to deny. 
and not just to deny, but to, but to have a kind of, of, of spite. You see, it's, it's one thing to doubt or to deny a reality, but they do something more. They find him so despicable and vile that they think that his suffering on the cross is not enough. They need some ins- he needs some insult added to his injury. Here he is. He's, he seems so very confident as he is there on the cross. He thinks he's the Christ. Well, they try to shake him to his senses. What a joke. How ridiculous. You see, you claim to be the Christ. You claim to be the chosen one of God, the very Son of God, and yet here you are right next to us. Why don't you get down off your high horse? They want to drag him down. And isn't that so very common from the polluted hearts of those who are yet in their sins is that they're miserable themselves, but they're not happy until others are unhappy. They want to pull them down into the mud of their misery. Is that you, my friend? Are you miserable in your rebellion against God and you can't be happy until others are just as unhappy as you? You see, the the counter-evidence to them is so very obvious. This is open and shut. It's almost as though this is a kind of a courtroom. And these two men are the prosecuting attorneys. And Jesus is the defendant. And the evidence is just overwhelming. And if you really are, why don't you just prove it? If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. The Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was going through the the hurricane, the eye of the hurricane of sufferings, yet he clearly rose above it. And they could see that. He is at peace. So at peace that he can pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You still solace yourself by keeping up this pretense of being a royal king. Admit it, you're just a pretender. You're just like us. This is the way of the world, the world that doesn't want to admit they need salvation. They know that they need it, but they don't want to admit it. And when God truly offers salvation, they reject it. Perhaps they also had contempt for the Lord Jesus, as many saw it, raising the people's hopes only to dash them. Because, let's not forget, 
that it was just days before that the whole crowds were crying out, Hosanna in the highest! Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord! But maybe, after all, he's just another pretender. And so it comes to pass that many, they fall into skepticism and doubt and despair that there's no hope. Friends, if Christ is not who he says he is, and if he died on that cross in vain as a perfect waste of a life, And if indeed he did not validate the significance of his redemptive death by rising again the third day, then there is no hope. You have no hope. I have no hope. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But there is hope. The Holy Spirit breaks through the defenses of one of these two criminals hanging at each side of the King of Glory. And so we consider the defense. It was an unexpected defense. The two prosecuting attorneys were in lockstep prosecuting the Lord Jesus Christ. But one of them begins to falter as he's hearing the defense much of which is silence. How can silence be a defense? That doesn't make any sense. There is something majestic about the silence of innocence and the silence of patience and the silence of love. He knows the claim. One of these two criminals, they were both uh, spewing out their their mockery and their disdain for this, this pretender, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he knew the claim that Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah and that not even the The cross and the agony and the pain that was racking his body and the shame constantly exposed in his death, naked before the world, yet he held on tenaciously like a a pit bull. Once his jaws fasten, it doesn't give up. And the Lord Jesus, friends, Either he was absolutely insane or he was who he says that he was. But for this criminal, he is not insane. He has a perfect presence, a certain clarity of his mind. Never before have we seen sanity but in Jesus. 
yes, he sees the counter, he sees the, 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 the counter evidence. And for a time it prevailed with him. But there is evidence that overwhelms from the Lord Jesus Christ. He still obviously believes his claim. He is forgiven his enemies. He doesn't even argue his innocence. He simply, like a king, extends royal pardon. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Which implies he knows what he is doing. Oh, dear friends, he knew exactly what he was doing, but they in their blindness did not realize what they were doing. Indeed, Paul brings this out in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that the princes of this world, had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but they were blinded. The Apostle Paul says that the Lord had mercy upon him because he did this in ignorance. There was a certain blindness of ignorance. But Jesus knew. He knew who he was. He knew when he was a boy of 12 years old, saying to his parents in the temple, when they were so worried about him, where have you gone, my son? Should you not know that I should be about my father's business? He also deeply believes his innocence and hold fast his integrity. He doesn't break under the pressure. He obviously believes that the cross will not be a barrier to his future glory. And all of this somehow fits into his royal plan. That's why uh, the thief could eventually say, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, I don't get it. And clearly no one else does. But I'm starting to get that however it is seemingly impossible, yet you are so confident, you Lord of glory, that you're going into your kingdom and somehow this cross is not so great so as to stop you. Therefore, remember me when you come into your kingdom. No more will I join this mockery if you be the Christ, save yourself and us. I'm done counting on this life. And friends, that's where you need to be if you are to inherit the kingdom. You've got to be done hoping in this life. This thief in particular, though he is lockstep right at the side of the other, the other criminal in his doubt and skepticism and his, his disdain for the Lord Jesus Christ, he starts to falter as he, as he observes Christ behaving in an otherworldly manner. Who forgives his enemies like this? Again, you're either insane 
or you are more than sane. You are not from this world. You are not from this world. That's what's so heavenly about Christianity because that's what's so heavenly about Jesus. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the children of your Father who is in heaven. The silence... The dignified silence, he simply takes the scorn and contempt without shouting back. I mean, let's be honest. Wouldn't you lash out? Therefore, his claim is true. He is innocent of what he is suffering, unlike them. He will inherit life and glory Ye gates, lift up your heads, ye doors, ye doors that last for aye. Be lifted up that so the King of glory enter may. He offers a higher kind of salvation, one that people cannot at first see. And he surrenders and entrusts his soul to the care of the Father. You see, that's why he could stay on that cross and not come down, though he could have come down. What were those nails? What were those Roman centurions? But he committed himself to him that judges righteously. And not that there won't be a day of reckoning. The Lord Jesus committed his cause unto Jehovah. Judge me, O God, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Lord, I have faithfully served you and submitted to you. I will not take things into my own hands. I will not avenge myself, but I will entrust my cause to you that you may take vengeance on your day. For vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. One day, there would be a turning of the tables, and that day is coming, friends. That day is coming. But until then, the Lord Jesus Christ entrusted his soul into the care of his Father and gave a reward to a new servant. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The king rewards him. He rewards what? His works? No, he had no works. He had no good works to offer the Lord Jesus Christ. He had his own filthy, dirty sin to give to him. But that's exactly what the king wanted. That's exactly what he wants for you, you rebel. You runaway. You who have turned against God. And oh, the king delights to reward those who surrender to him. 
not in some distant future. But he, he would receive an immediate reward. Dr. Young, who preached in this pulpit for many years and preaching on this text, said, what a transition to go immediately from the agonies of the cross to the enjoyment of the Savior's presence in paradise. Now, Christian, take heart. If you will but give him your faith, and that's all that he wants, give him your empty hand. Now, that implies a rejection of yourself, of your so-called righteousness. You've got to line up behind this criminal. We, we, justly receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. You see, the words of of this convict need to become our words. We are in this condemnation. There is none righteous, no, not one. And though many of us may not have resorted to, to the misdemeanors and the felonies of this world... Have we not trampled upon the law of God a thousand, ten thousand, countless times? Not only in our words and deeds, but in our very hearts. But if we will but surrender and place our faith in Jesus, giving him not our works, but our faith. Honoring the King of glory. Honoring his person honoring his work, honoring what the world says is shameful and stupid and backwards, but I embrace it. And taking his cross, will you take his cross? Now this man already had a cross. But for the rest of followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who are not called to the Lord Jesus at the very moment of their death, for most of us, it is a cross that we must carry through our lives, embracing uh, the way of self-denial, looking to Jesus, looking to His heavenly glory, looking to the reward, and casting aside all that filth and pollution that used to be a part of our lives, and looking to the reward of paradise and truly when it pleases him to take us there today that day we shall be with him we shall be with him in paradise friends he has the keys of hell and of death It is not St. Peter who stands at heaven's gate. It is the King, the King of kings. There is no other way into that glory but through Him and through His cross, through faith and repentance. Do you believe His claims? Have you been persuaded? You know, you you can't have faith unless you've been persuaded. The Lord Jesus, he wants your heart, but to get at your heart, he's got to go through your head. 
Have you been persuaded that he is blameless and you are guilty? That you must come to possess a higher kind of salvation, one that is not of this world? That his cross is the only, the only way to the salvation. In fact, it's the only way to your happiness. That he has inherited life and glory. You see, the only way for us to enter into his kingdom is to attach ourselves to him in what he has earned. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And do you entrust your soul to the care of Jesus? That's the only way that this man entered paradise. That's the only way he entered paradise, and that's the only way you're going to enter you seek any other way, you will not awaken in paradise, but an everlasting punishment. And it will be the just reward of your deeds all the more because you have rejected the free offer of salvation. As we close, let those who have entrusted themselves to Jesus those who have been exalted to become the sons of God, to become the brothers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we who have received His glory, we who have received His royalty, that heavenly name and heavenly character, let us show forth that heavenly demeanor of the Lord Jesus Christ. The heavenly Patience. You have need of patience. That after you have done the will of God, you might receive the, the inheritance. The slowness to wrath. Not lashing out. If he was mute as a lamb going to the slaughter, can I not hold back in my defense? Can I not allow myself to take that slap and then to give the other cheek? Let us exhibit Christ's heavenly trust, to trust in the Lord, to trust that He's going to take care of everything, to trust that all the abuse and the sufferings that are wrongful and the dishonoring of our name and reputation will be fixed when the Father acknowledges openly His children. And let us exhibit the royalty of the sons of God in forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, with pardoned consciences and large hearts, let us rise above the pettiness and forgive. And even when people will not do what they should do, when they will not acknowledge their wrongs and their faults against us, let us commit it to God and say, Father, forgive them.
I'm not going to clutch and hold on. They'll have to deal with the Lord at some point, but Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, let us rise above, and let us rise with Christ. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Please rise. Our Majesty, we are grateful for the opportunity that we have been given to hear of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask now that thy mercies may be upon us, that we would have that faith that lays hold of him and that follows him as the sons of God. Remember us now, Lord, we pray. Take us into thy kingdom on that day that it shall please thee to give us a place with you in paradise. We pray it now through Jesus Christ. Amen. Our closing psalm.